You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning. This is Sister Lavina Francis Pamet. I am a Franciscan Sister of the Sacred Heart. This is Dare to Love show. Dare to Love is a program that cultivates vocation awareness in the Archdiocese of Chicago through our discussion of topics related to vocation discernment, promotion, and also overall vocations and in general for marriage, for uh, single life, priesthood, religious life, and overall how we respond to God's call in our lives. And today we have a guest. Um, she is a Benedictine nun. Her name is Sister Belinda Monahan, and she is a member of the Sisters of St. Benedict of Chicago, and otherwise known as Benedictine Sisters. Good morning, Sister Belinda. Thank you for uh, being a guest on, on this show. And I will let you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers. I can't imagine what else I would add. I'm Sister Belinda Monaghan. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm a member of the Benedictine Sisters of Chicago. I entered my community in 2007 and took final vows in 2014. Um, I also um, am the vocation minister for my community and I work as assistant campus minister at the Shield Catholic Center at Northwestern University. Yes, and that is quite a mouthful. We haven't even delved into uh, what else you've been to in your life, and I'm so excited because I've heard a snippet of it, maybe read a little bit in the article online, but that is uh, uh, something that excites me because I love adventure, and I think the vocation journey is always an adventure for each and every one of us. Uh, so I, I just like to start, um, you know, being a Benedictine and being part of the community, that is in itself maybe since you've been living it day to day, uh, you haven't really thought about how different that might be to others. So my, why don't we start with that um, since this is Dare to Love. And so from the title of the show itself, uh, and it 
it being the new year, 2022, can you imagine? We've, we've reached this 2022 with still lots of challenges in our lives. But um, maybe start from the beginning and, and just go with it, Sister Belinda. I'm not sure what you mean, start from the beginning, um, but you, you've talked about community. And I will sure. say that as a Benedictine, I often say that my primary ministry is community. Uh, as Benedictines, we live and model um, unity in God, uh, but remain diverse. Um, and I will say that the thing that attracted me most to my community is that we are very strong. We're a group of very strong-minded women. And um, so I find that community is both the challenge and the gift of religious life. Um, it helps me grow closer to God every day, living with my sisters in, in the monastery. When uh, you're talking about community as being a gift and also a challenge, uh, how, uh, can you uh, delve more deeply into that? Because I, I try to tell people, look, everybody's vocation for yourself. God wants us to be happy. And why would anyone want to be a Benedictine nun in this time and space? Why would you want to be one? Um, I want to be one. And I, I feel that we all have multiple vocations, many, many vocations over time. But I feel called to be a Benedictine because it. It enables me to confront the parts of me that separate me from God in a way that living as a single woman, and I lived, um, you know, I entered community in my late 30s, so I had plenty of experience living alone and living as a single woman. Um, being a Benedictine allows me to confront uh, who I'm called to be in God's eyes in a way that um, I find that no other, that my life before had not done. And so um, I would say that that's why somebody would choose to be Benedictine, because um, it helps us grow closer to God in love. Very, yes. And, and that really uh, goes into the heart of the matter, too. In terms of charisms and religious life, you know, like I am living out and have followed uh, the Franciscan way of life, our charism, uh, everybody tries to live out the gospel, but in a different way. And charism being it's a particular gift of, of, um, of God, of the Spirit uh, to each community. How, how would you describe to others, your charism, your particular charism? Uh, the Benedictine charism, we often talk, and I'm not sure, honestly, whether this is our official charism, um, but as Benedictines, we often talk about aura et labora. Um, so work and prayer, not work is prayer or work as prayer, but work and prayer. And so our lives are centered around the idea that um, we come together in community to pray. We also have our individual prayer lives, and that's important, but we come together in community to pray and support each other in our prayer lives, and then our work grows out of that. So we, um, our ministry grows out of that prayer, and then our ministry returns us to the prayer. So it's important that they both balance each other um, and um, intertwine with each other in a way um, that 
helps us. I think having both helps me listen to God. The, the first word of the rule is listen. And it's, it's almost more like listen up, pay attention. Um, I have an action that I want you to do. And, um, and so I find that the balance of work and prayer causes me to listen more deeply to where God is calling me every day. And I think that listening uh, as a word is very important. You know, when I was just uh, a, a baby nun, as they, my sisters and others sometimes um, call the, even the newbies, even if we have lived lives before. Because like you, uh, I, I think I got accepted in my community at age 31. Um, you know, full disclosure here. <laughs> I, I don't keep my, my age secret because, you know, online, everybody can research you and, you know. But the thing is that the listening part is so important. Because when I saw like the vow, the vow of obedience, you know, poverty, obedience, and chastity, all that, the obedience part, it's like, well, we really delved into that during the visit because, um, the importance of listening, the obedience part is not blind obedience as in, oh, you just kind of like Simon says, no, the key word is listening. And listening is not just hearing the words or understanding it, and then you can transcribe it like, you know, in a classroom. But listening can actually be part of that, um, that life that you can lead along with that aura at labora. Uh, and the one thing that I've always been curious about in terms of the um, monastic life, which is different uh, from from other ways of being religious, is um, the monastic part. Maybe you can enlighten us uh, a little bit more. So you are not cloistered. That's different. Can you maybe explain to us or, or help us understand what what does that mean? You know, like, what is enclosure? Is it a physical thing? Is it a building thing? Do you have to go back in there? Because there's a story about um, uh, Scholastica and Benedict, you know, and Benedict needing to uh, go home to his monastery and all that stuff. Those kind of stories have always been a curiosity uh, of mine. Is what is that all about? And I, I don't pray to St. Francis for um, for better weather. I pray to St. Scholastica because of that story about, <laughs> you know, so, um, and maybe you can, I, I don't know if you want to tell that story, but yeah, can you enlighten us a little bit more about that, the monasticism part? Sure, I can tell that story. Um, but I'll start with you were talking earlier, a minute ago, you were talking about the vows. Um, and the vows I take are not poverty, chastity, obedience. They are um, obedience, fidelity, conversion, and fidelity to the monastic way of life. Ah. Um, and I think that is um, the important one of the important pieces. So I take vows to this community and to remain in this community for the rest of my life. And it's a, a stability is another word for it. And that is, um, for me, that's a really important piece. I, I can't, when things get hard, I can't run away. I can't leave. I can't, um, I have to stay and work it out with my community. And usually when we're working it out with our community, we're working it out within ourselves. It's something within ourselves as well as maybe with others um, that permits us to work through it. And the call of Scholastica is the call to love. Um, so Benedict and Scholastica were brother and sister. Um, according to uh, St. Gregory the Great, um, 
in his his hagiography of Saint Benedict, um, Scholastica and Benedict. Scholastica was also a religious, and they used to meet annually uh, outside of their monasteries uh, to talk for one day. And on the meeting that Scholastica knew would be her last before she died, she said to Benedict, uh, "Stay." And um, Benedict said, um, I can't, it's against the rules, I have to go home. And she put her head down on the table and prayed to God and a storm came up and thunder and lightning and wind and um, she couldn't, they couldn't go home, he couldn't go home. And so he said to her, and I always kind of find myself putting my hands on my hips when I tell this part of the story, uh, what have you done, sister? And uh, her response is, I asked you for something and you didn't give it to me. Uh, so I asked God and he gave it to me. And uh, the moral of this story that um, Gregory draws is that it is fitting that the woman was able to do more because she loved more. And so that's what I take from the story of Scholastica is the rules are important, certainly to kind of provide a framework and a guide, uh, but it's much more important to act out of love uh, for the other uh, than it is to follow the rules blindly. And so that's the kind of obedience, the kind of listening uh, that I try to, I try to practice and I try to work with shield students to understand and to, to kind of help, help them to practice that. That is simply just awesome. Thank you so much. It has given me such a deeper perspective on that. Uh, thank you for it. I feel like I just sat uh, at, at the feet of, of someone who's like, well, you got to get it from the source, you know, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I just read about it and that's all. But, oh, my gosh, you know, time flies. And I just got the signal, you know, we need a break. Um, so, Please stay with us because there's more to come from Sister Belinda. Stay tuned. Catholic Charities, we fight hunger in Chicago throughout the year. Our six regional offices in Cook and Lake Counties work together to offer sit-down and to-go meals to anyone in need. We deliver meals to those who are homebound, and our eight food pantries offer three to four days of food supplies based on household size. Participants in these programs have the opportunity to learn about other Catholic charity services that strengthen individuals, families, and their communities. The challenges for those dealing with food insecurity are especially great during the winter months. To learn how you can help those who are hungry in your neighborhood, visit catholiccharities.net or call 312-655-7525. That's 312-655-7525. Thank you for your generosity. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. 
we've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. Hello, we're back. This is Sister Lavina Francis Pamet, and this is Dare to Love with our guest, Sister Belinda Monahan uh, from the Benedictine Sisters of Chicago. So we were just talking about uh, Sister Belinda's uh, part of her vocation journey uh, and the charism of the Benedictines, uh, and also the story about the, the twin brother and sister um, Benedict, a founder of the Benedictines, um, and also uh, his sister Scholastica, and uh, a little bit more about listening and obedience. So now, um, what I would like to hear about is, even before Sister Belinda um, joined the monastery of the Benedictine Sisters in Chicago, um, she, her career, and I, I, I believe I'm, she's a vocation minister now. However, um, there is something more to her background. So, uh, Sister Belinda, can you tell us a little bit more about that background that I, I keep hearing about, little bits and pieces? So, share what you might share. I know 2018 you were in Armenia, so you can mention that. Sure. Um, so before I entered the Benedictine Sisters of Chicago, and actually continuing considerably after I entered the community, mm. I was an archaeologist. I grew up wanting to be an archaeologist. I um, went on my first excavation to Jordan at 17. Wow. Um, and so I went to college and graduate school at um in archaeology, to study archaeology, my PhD is actually in anthropology because of the way the United States academic system is set up. But um, I worked primarily with animal bones. I've worked extensively in the Near East. Um, I've done quite a bit of work in the American Southwest. I spent six summers uh, working at a field school in New Mexico. And for the past 20 some odd years, I worked in Armenia. So um, 
even after I entered the community, I spent a month or two almost every summer in Armenia. The last time I was there was spring of 2019. I was there for two weeks, uh, finishing up some of the last animal bone analysis from a project that I've been working on. Um, so I still have to write that up in my copious spare time. Um, but I have the data here and uh, it's kind of one of the projects that I continue to work on. You know, I have to be honest with you and, and confess that, you know, when I see the word either anthropology, but especially archaeology, I think I, I love adventure movies. So it's like all of a sudden, I just the flash of the picture of Indiana Jones and the famous hat. I, I'm afraid I must be romanticizing this. So, but from what I'm hearing from you, it's the in between, sort of like you know the write up of the things, the reports, the books that are behind you that probably is just part of what you've read. Um, but you know the picture on online where you were with some students, um, and you know people will have to research that online. You know with the bones and doing all that that's pretty um you know some people might say it's boring but to you it's a discovery of an entirely like very deep adventure and it's like traveling in time right kind of it is I mean it can definitely be tedious when I am sitting for two weeks at a desk in Armenia uh looking at thousands of animal bones every day uh it's not maybe as exciting as, um, you know, the, the pictures make it look. But I will say that meeting, what archaeology has done for me is it's given me a chance to see parts of the world that I would never have seen. I mean, at 17, I went over to Jordan without any clue about what the political situation there or what was going on. And we had Palestinian workmen. So that forced me to look at the world a little bit more broadly. I've been working in Armenia since 2002. And so um, I've been blessed to see uh, a nation state forming uh, in a way that uh, most of us in um, the United States haven't. You know, the, the Soviet fell apart and um, Armenia became an independent nation and kind of watching the growth and the way uh, the people think about themselves um, has been an amazing experience for me. So it's not only learning about the past, uh, which is exciting and learning about the ways people lived in the past and what the implications for the present are, but also meeting people in the present and learning about their lives um, and getting to know them in a way uh, that it, you can't if you're just visiting a place. Um, that has been one of the great blessings of archaeology for me. That's wonderful. So how, from, from, from your background, how did you meet the sisters anyway? How did you hear about them? Um, honestly, I had never really thought about becoming a sister. I only knew three sisters growing up, um, and I grew up fairly Catholic. Um, and so I had simply gotten more and more involved in Chile. I started singing in the choir and I did that for about 15 years. And then I started, I was asked to be in charge of the Eucharistic bread baking ministry. And then I started being sacristan at daily mass and doing, um, doing morning prayer there. And so 
eventually I found myself um, feeling called to be a sister for me completely out of the blue. Um, I, nobody else was as surprised as I was. Um, and so I went into the then director chaplain's office and he kind of circled a whole bunch of things in that blue bent, that blue guide to religious ministries. And they were all Benedictine communities. And my spiritual director at the time also steered me to Benedictines. I've since spoken to both of them for completely different reasons. Um, but they both um, steered me in that direction. And so this, this monastery is literally three miles down the road from where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I had never really encountered the, the idea. And I, d- I knew I wasn't called to be a teacher or a nurse. And so th- that was part of the issue when I felt called to be religious. It was like, well, what do they do? Um, and so to find a community that was able to consider the fact that I was an archaeologist and say, let's, let's think about how this is going to play into community life. Mm-hmm. If you still feel called to do it, we'll see what we can, you know, we'll see how we can work this out in community life. That's good. And now you are back at Shield. Uh, and, and, and for people, I, I actually, I think I, I'm not sure if I uh, submitted that I'm, I'm going to ask. Uh, and by the way, this is my opportunity to take um, uh, some gratitude and uh, a happy new year to Javier Garcia uh, and Mike Mays, uh, our, our um, sound engineers and now it's, it's more than sound engineers. They're doing all these magic behind the scenes uh, that, you know, I've been curious about. Um, it's almost like being their own, doing their own archaeology uh, things on the technology part. <laughs> but um, the, the part where um, Catholic Shield Center, the campus ministry part in universities at Northwestern uh, and other states and other locations, that is so key of that engagement. And I guess you can even relate your study of bones in terms of the structure of life and, as you said, from the past into the present. And engagement seems to be the key. And now, not only are you serving as a vocation minister for your community, you are also serving, uh, you said, assistant campus uh, minister, but you're presencing you kept talking about being present and that encounter, that listening, that living out of being available, your availability or disponibilidad to the students there and other people, what they call associates. And actually, that um, I have started going and, and being part of the Catholic Shield Center community as well because of that welcoming and a uh, uh spirituality and and just sense of energy at Shiel. But I think hospitality is also one of the qualities of the Benedictines. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. We often talk about hospitality, which I think is not unrelated to listening. Um, Hospitality is being present to other people, being open and welcoming to them. And I think part of that is being able to hear what they need and being able to provide that for them. Um, And the students, I get such energy from um, working with the students and being present to the students. They're asking these big questions in life. What do I want to be? And what does God want me to be? And how do I figure that out? And how do I listen to God? Um, And um, having had people accompany me on my journey, it's such a gift to be able to accompany uh, the students on their journey. 
That is so beautiful. Sister Belinda, you wouldn't believe this, but we are at the end of our interview. Can you believe that? But life doesn't end. We keep on being hospitable and listening. And now we close with making sure that people know how to contact you. Is, is that okay if I give them uh, the website? First of all, is OSB for Order of St. Benedict, osbchicago.org. Org. And to email Sister Belinda, it's vocation at osbchicago.org. And for those viewing from YouTube, all of that information will be available as well. And I will write it up on the website for the Radio TV website so that they know how to get uh, a hold of you. Thank you so much, Sister Belinda. And thank you all our listeners and viewers out there. Dare to Love is shown and airs every first Thursday of the month. This is Sister Lavina. Always dare to love, always listen, but most of all, always love. Happy New Year.